Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. We got a few topics today. Today is a day of positivity. And before we jump into the major topic, which is 50 ways the world is getting better, uh, we're going to start on Bronny James, who also seems to be getting better after watching the McDonald's All-American game. What was your take on that, V? Yeah, I mean, the kid is developing. The thing that stands out to me about Bronny James is that people people probably don't highlight enough is to succeed and thrive with that level of pressure. You know, Michael Jordan's kids didn't amount to much. Like, it's really, really hard for somebody that great, right? You see former NBA players, uh, kids become NBA players, but it's very, very hard in, in today's age with as much attention and constant attention it's it's very clear that the kid it works on his game consistently um and and is focused on getting better now where that takes him that's obviously where the conversation um shifts a little bit um but i think what we're seeing is a guy that you're seeing the work that's why his his most significant trait is his jump shot which is very solid um that's what he's really flexing in these games um and you know that's all you can that's all you can hope for with that type of pressure to actually you know rise to the occasion and play well yeah and uh you know would you say that lebron james is perhaps the michael jordan of fathers <laughs> it seems like he's the michael jordan of a lot of things right so but just it's just amazing like you know it, it, i know a lot of parents who who face these challenges of balancing a busy career with also being present um, in your child's life. It obviously helps that it's like cohesive to his lifestyle, which is he can show up to a game and he has the means to literally take a helicopter and fly in and fly out, you know, even in season. But his presence, you know, and consistent presence, even in season is pretty, pretty apparent. And, you know, it's like parenting one on one. You know, it's it's not just about having the kid; it's about nurturing the kid, and it's it's pretty clear that LeBron takes that role seriously. And that's just another reason why, you know, you know this goat conversation that we have it kind of spreads beyond the basketball court with him. Yeah, and I think I think it's too easy to be somebody who's a Bronny hater because you want to be a LeBron hater, and I just think like. For a kid like that, he's going to deal with more criticism than anybody else his age, anybody else with his level of talent um, relative to the amount of expectation on on him. Right. And so I think from that lens, like even though people can rationally say looking at his body, looking at his build, looking at his skill set, you know, it's it's highly unlikely that he's going to translate into doing what LeBron has done. But it's highly unlikely anyone is ever going to do what LeBron has done, you know, yeah. so. I think from that lens, like I feel, I feel definitely like a little bit like bad uh, when I hear folks like you know criticize him because it's just like 
the he's still just a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like he hasn't even had the chance to like get in the league and show what he can or can't do. Yeah, and I think the thing with being an athlete is that you have to learn to live with criticism and understand how to evaluate that criticism. One through the lens of if it is it just hate or someone being honest with me. And if I take that feedback honestly and I and I take account of that then it's going to help me get better toward the goal that I'm I'm going toward. And I think there's a little bit of both with Bronny James, right? And I think the, the concern that I have is not, it's not, you know, if he makes the NBA, he makes the NBA. He's an elite high school basketball player. He's going to get a scholarship to go to college. He's already won, you know, and, and he's a McDonald's All-American. He's already um, kind of won. So the criticism at this point is really about whether or not he's ready for the NBA. And if you're being honest, he's not ready to be a star in the NBA per se, because he's still got to work on his ball handling um, and a little bit of his burst with the ball in his hands. But he very much can be a three and D wing, which is a significant role player in the NBA. And you could have a significant career uh, career doing that. So just that alone, um, I think he's a success. Um, the frustrating thing for some folks is the idea that this is nepotism, you know, that he wouldn't be getting this attention if he wasn't LeBron James's son. And I think that even if true, what parent wouldn't do that, right? And it just goes back to what you're saying, no matter what this guy does, because he's, he's a lightning rod, people are going to criticize it versus evaluating it objectively. Like, I know... And, and you and I both know a lot of children of significantly successful parents. And more often than not, those kids use that as a crutch versus using that as a way to leverage their way into their own success, right? And just the fact that he's doing that and earning his way, I think it should be dealt with very differently. And also what LeBron's doing as a parent, it's what... I think the reason that it's criticized is because he's a minority. It's not because um, the criticism is it's real. It's just really that he's understand he understands how power structures in this country work, and he's taking advantage of that. But he's not taking advantage of that in a way in which he's not making his kids work hard. He's making them they're working hard to take advantage of the advantages that he provides them. When you um, when you look at Bronny's game, like. To me, the player that I, I actually think of is um, Lonzo Ball, just because of the court vision, the shooting ability that uh, we haven't really seen Lonzo play. Obviously, there's a size difference and you know wingspan difference and stuff like that. Um, but have you ever thought of like you know a, a comparable player for Bronny in the NBA? Yeah, I don't think he's. I mean, we'll see. He he has the tools and the coaching to develop. But from a ball handling perspective, the fact that that's not developed with how much work he's putting in, the fact that that's not developed to the point that it needs to be, I don't see him being able to play with the ball in his hands and be a point guard like Lonzo. Mm. A lot of the other measurables that you're talking about make sense. Defensively, he's there. I mean, and and this is, you know, it's, 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 I don't want this comparison to be, you know, shied away from is I, I do see him as kind of like one of LeBron's three and D wings like a J.R. Smith who could play defense, but could if Brown got on the ball on the wing, he could hit the shot, but he could play defense. He could facilitate when needed. 
That's really it. That's really, I think, the only thing that's going to differentiate him from being a role player to being a significant star in the NBA is whether or not he can develop the ball handling skills um, to compete. You can tell in the games that I've watched that he struggles with that a little bit, especially when he's dealing with on-ball pressure. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, just in general to to see the evolution, it's been, you know, no doubt, um, very exciting. Uh, the other kind of NBA storyline that um, we can touch on before we jump into things um, on the bigger topic of how the world is getting better is uh, the play. The playoffs are starting. The play-in tournament, uh, I believe, is tonight. Lakers game, uh, first game of the play-in tournament this this year, dude. Like I was not into it up until now. And all of a sudden, I am so excited for the NBA playoffs because every team looks amazing this year. The level of talent and level of parity is ridiculous. The Warriors obviously are going off right now, right at the end of the regular season. So I think this could there's probably five, six different teams that could take it very reasonably. Uh, Do you want to do you want to do a couple predictions or picks? Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I think. The Eastern Conference is really a two two horse race with um, Milwaukee and Boston. I mean, everybody wants to include Philly in that mix because Joel Embiid is playing out of his mind. But the problem always with Joel Embiid is I just don't think, you know, that outside of the young kid on that team, that the rest of the team matches the attitude and competitive spirit that Embiid has and I think that's one of his frustrations especially when you're going up against a Milwaukee or a Boston that has that that's going to be a challenge talent wise they're right up there with them you know and then the dark horse out east is Cleveland you know they they can't be insignificant some people are trying to build up the New York storyline but I don't think New York is gonna they might get out of the first round but that's it I don't see them making a significant run but out west is just crazy when you look at it right like just in the first round, you're seeing the Clippers and Suns have to play each other, right? And if the Lakers make it, you know, out of the play-in, and and also the Pelicans and OKC, that's not an easy out either. Then you've got, you know, the Kings and Warriors, right? You got the the Bay Area. I don't yeah. know if you're gonna make it up to your parents to go catch a game. But, a, a good uh, Kings team to know. Yeah. A very good Kings team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 then you know you got you got the Nuggets, Memphis. Like the West is like really, really where you don't know who's going to make it. But at the end of the day, like I'm not betting against Golden State. Yeah, people did that last year, and look at what happened. Yeah, and then um, the other thing is uh, the Clippers have, to my understanding, a healthy Kawhi and a healthy Paul George. Is this the first time they've both been healthy going into the playoffs since they both yeah, came? Yeah, and, and that team is stacked, man. It's the a trades very good they team. made, like Terrence Mann, Eric Gordon. And Russell Westbrook just started Russell, going off, too. Yeah, yeah. They, they have a solid, solid team that's built very, very well and is deep. So that's not going to that's going to be probably the most compelling first round series is the Clippers and Suns. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think just seeing, you know, KD was out with that injury right when he came over. So they're still meshing, but the Suns are at least, at least from a pure talent and on paper perspective, in my view, them and the Warriors are the teams to beat. Um, The Lakers with D'Lo look way better. And it's really nice to see both LeBron and AD going off right now. 
the Timberwolves. Um, I actually really like the Timberwolves, bro, but they're kind of a, a meltdown of a, of a team there. Did you see like this last weekend, one of their players literally broke his hand, punching a wall. And, the other, and two of them punched each other. For it, yeah, so. exactly. So I think the Timberwolves are probably going to lose in the uh, in the play-in and not make it. We might see the Pelicans or the Thunder instead. Yeah, I mean, both of those teams are fun to watch. I'd be happy to see either one of those teams qualify. Um, what would we'll what what would make the Pelicans the nine seed right now? Like with Zion, with you know, with the team we saw last year. Obviously, there were injuries during the season, but. You know, I am surprised they're they're not as good as as I thought they could be. Yes, yeah, being Zion being out is tough, but like Brandon Ingram on the quietly is having a great year. Yeah, you know he's having kind of his breakout year, so we can uh, we can we can definitely see see what happens there. And with the Lakers, the storyline is going to be the health of AD and LeBron. Can they make it through? You know, four rigorous playoff series. You know? Yeah. This might be one of the one of the best years uh, for NBA basketball in a long time. So really exciting year. Um, but let's get to the let's get to the main topic here. Fifty ways the world is getting better, and I'll I'll read a few of these V and and um, we can comment on them. Uh, yeah. But the first one uh, is all based on um, facts from you know kind of a series of books. A few of them are the rise and fall of American growth, the better angels of our nature factfulness and enlightenment now um the book uh the better angels of our nature is pretty well known because i believe bill gates put it on his reading list a few years back um but the book actually outlines like a lot of the the stats that are changing in the world it's like this common thing with how how dark the news is how dark people are on social media everyone's like oh the world is getting worse and it's like to me like this is the probably the biggest debate i have with people is when people are like the world is getting worse i'm just like no it's not like statistically every statistic proves otherwise but because of exposure because of where people's emotions are at they they feel that way so sometimes it's nice just to look at the numbers yeah, yeah. and i think it's it's you you hit a key point the, the world is not necessarily getting worse from a lot of these measurable statistics where i where i put in is i think that the world is getting very less worse in human psychology and, and, and mental health, which leads to a lot of the negativity, but there are definitely significant positives. I think we should highlight, I think it's very valuable to highlight those, to just give people a balanced scorecard here, because it's so easy just to focus on all the negative news, especially in the light of another tragic shooting we had, mass shooting we had yesterday in Louisville, but it does, should give you some, these, some of these stats that you're going to highlight should give people some hope. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's a great takeaway even though it's uncomfortable, it's part of the process to to grow the world and to make it better. Um over the last 20 years, the proportion of people living in extreme poverty has been cut in half. That's Just 200 crazy. years ago, that's nuts. Just 200 years ago, 85% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. 20 years ago it was 29%. Today it's only 9%. And that underscores this kind of wealth gap conversation. Um, we always talk about the disparity between the highest and the lowest, but we never talk about the fact that the lowest isn't as low as it has been. You know, yeah. we never have that. It's it's easier to have that conversation and hate the rich or you know look down on the poor versus just saying, hey, you know, we have progress to make, but progress is being made. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And let's talk about life expect life expectancy. In 1800, half of the babies born died during childhood. 
That's what those times were like. Yeah, nuts. Life expectancy was 30 years and no country had a life expectancy above 40. So V, you would have been gone. I'd be gone. You know what I'm saying? Like life expectancy. We probably wouldn't have even made it here. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And the average life expectancy now around the world is 72. So we've literally more than doubled the length of life through through advances in society, which is just amazing. You know, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, Violent crime rate has been on a downward trend since 1990. Um, In uh, 1990, there were 14.5 million crimes reported. In 2016, it's under 9.5 million. Um, not a huge decrease, but this is, I mean, I think the violent crime stat is the most representative of mental health currently. And I think it's amazing to see that we are moving in, you know, a more positive direction. The part of that is enabling people to create wealth for themselves, to the middle class, to the internet. There's just so much more to focus on than, you know, stealing things from people. Yeah, I definitely think that's that's a, a, a part of it. And I think also, like you said, another issue here is the nature. Like that one was one that I was like unsure of because it could just be the nature of crime has changed too. Like the the fact that, that they're focusing on reported crime, but the number of crimes that you can actually commit now, there's a lot more, right? You can, there's a whole bunch of internet crimes that, yeah. <laughs> that six and the crypto, the crypto, crypto world also, there's a, a significant underworld there. So I just wonder, you know, that's a stat that I, I'm, I'm debating on, but it's definitely something that's refreshing to see that it is the number is down overall, which is the opposite of what is reported overall. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, here's a couple more. Early in the 19th century, 12% of the world could read and write. Today, it's 83%. Now, that's that's the most significant one of the most significant stats that that i've heard just the ability to the fact that 12 percent of people to 83 percent that's significant progress um across the world in terms of the systems of of education um specifically i think a lot of that is related to the rise of a lot of the third world countries into developing nations yeah absolutely and it also makes you wonder in that 50 cent floyd mayweather beef which side do they fall on (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter if floyd falls into the 12 percent of people who can't read because he's better than 99.99 percent of people at boxing so (laughs) he just needs to read the numbers yeah (laughs) um this is a stat i did not know the world's nuclear stockpiles have been reduced by 85 percent since the cold war yeah that is that is a significant progress um it is uh it's interesting because to see what's going to happen in the next few years because i think there's a lot of interesting things happening on with global governments that i hope doesn't lead to that trend uh reversing right with yeah india india trying to become more of a, a a superpower china it seems like there's a lot of chess being played and i just hope I hope that that doesn't lead to that trend reversing in the opposite direction, but it's very significant. Just Cold War wasn't that long ago, and it was a very dangerous, dangerous time uh, to be American or Russian or anything. And it's, it's, uh, I'm just happy that we're not going to necessarily, hopefully, we don't see another atom bomb being dropped like we did in Japan. Yeah, honestly, what a, what a different time, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, one economic stat that I really like is that the world has gotten richer in 51 of the last 55 years. And I think that that's an important one to consider because the world getting richer means there's more wealth for everybody. And that's like what a lot of people who um, you know, get stuck with finances and like with how they structure their lives, like don't realize is that there is infinite wealth to be created. It's just more of a matter of the mind and how we all operate with the society. That's that's where wealth is created. That's where value is created. And we can translate that value into income or ourselves. And I think like the fact that the world can constantly grow richer should show you how much potential that you have to create something new and earn from it. You don't have to take from anyone else to make money. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing too. One thing, you know, I saw a recent uh, uh, committee hearing with Howard Schultz where they were like attacking, you know, you know, the traditional attacking billionaires. And he kind (laughs) of, he was like, look, I grew up in subsidized housing. You know, a lot of people have gotten rich because I created Starbucks, not just me. Um, and I've created something significant. So you're not going to take that away by labeling me as some negative billionaire. But I think that, the, the, you know, not all of us are going to become billionaires. But the takeaway from that is don't get distracted by envying what other people have. Focus on what you can create is what kind of what you're saying. I think that's that's very important to do. Yeah, absolutely. And one final stat to uh, close it out, which I just think is an interesting one. Um, Half the adults in the world own a smartphone. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Because out of this, out of, I, I would guess, 5 billion adults out of the 7 billion people on the planet, 8, people, 8 billion people on the planet, 2.5 billion potentially own smartphones. That's ridiculous. That's a, that's a level of interconnectedness this species has never had before. So 2.5 billion own them. Yeah, half of adults own a smartphone. I would think that I'm actually that makes me that makes me a little interested on the poverty stats because it seems like you know the that would be it would be higher. But I do agree, like the interconnectedness of 2.5 billion people is crazy, and again, it underscores the opportunity that you have in terms of the size of the market that's out there for you to create something significant and meaningful. That's my takeaway from that. Absolutely. When I, I think that kind of brings us to a close. You know, there's a few more stats in this article, but uh, really, like, I think the, the major takeaway is that no matter what the news is saying, no matter what you're seeing online, recognize that there's two conversations that are two things always happening simultaneously. One is that we are all processing something, just like we as adults or as, you know, somebody younger, when you go through an experience, there's turmoil inside your brain while you go through the challenge. Yeah. That turmoil is what you see on the news. It's the debates that we have. But don't confuse the growth process for the results of what's actually happening because the results indicate that we're getting better every single day. And it's that 1% better. It's that same thing. 1% better every single day. You get 38% better, 38 times better by the end of the, end of the year. And as a, as a species, we're freaking doing it. And, and we should feel proud of that. And we should bring that energy every day to our friend circle where it is like, you know, there's nothing to get down about. There's things that we need to discuss. There's things we need to understand better. There's things we need to get wiser on, but we're winning here. We're getting better and we can continue to, to improve that. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing is it's, it's good. Glass half full versus the glass half empty uh is is definitely a, a way a, a critical saying because it really does determine 
um, your approach to life. And a lot of this, as, as we said at the top, is about how you view things and, and how you process things, whether positively or negatively or objectively, right? So hopefully everyone, uh, everyone took these, these positive notes and, and, and absorbs those into their Twitter debates and conversations that we see. And uh, with that said, as always, uh, stay moving. We hear you as well. Bye, boys out.